I'll give you two a pop quiz here. Ask yourself, what is the difference between D3 and jQuery? Just off the top of your head. Oh, man. It's like mm. the difference between oranges and Subarus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast for the week of November 11th. We've got a great episode for you. We're going to be talking about Jupyter Notebooks. We're going to be talking about D3, making awesome data visualizations for your mobile stuff. And we have an amazing guest, Jess Lee, one of the co-founders of Dev2. So stick with us. People are always asking, what is the first language I should learn? Mm. And my answer to that is always any of them. Yeah. Well, now, hold on. <laughs> you have to be careful because someone will be like, APL. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, you guys should learn stack Any of them that make sense. I will say, it, it really depends on what you're trying to do, right? Like, the number one point of programming is doing things. Yes. It's not learning things, it's doing things. Right. It's not like you learn, just for the heck of it. You learn things so you can do things. So you can build. Yeah. Some some people, true, they're, they're like focused on advanced PhDs and you know, homotological type theory or whatever the hell that is. But yeah. like, but no, I mean, so, so let's say you want to do like mathy stuff. You yes. Know, some, Python's really good for you. It is really so good. Is or actually, R. R is good. And uh, Mathematica. Lisp? Mathematica. Yeah. If you, if your college can afford the $36,000 licensing fee. I don't even know what Mathematica is. Oh, Mathematica. Do you, have you ever heard of Stephen Wolfram who did? Like, yeah. Okay, Mathematica is the framework that they've been working on for like 25 years. At Wolfram Alpha? Yeah. So this is before that. Okay. This is like the, this is what the company was built on. It's a like math analysis and notebook environment. Wow. And it's been around for a long, long time. And actually you can get a free, a free version with your Raspberry Pi. Crazy. For real. It comes with the Pi. Whatever the Pi OS is called. But Jupyter Notebooks are really good. You know, do, I don't, do you think people know what Jupyter Notebooks are? I, I mean, I don't know what Jupyter Notebooks are. Sarah, you're in for a treat. I'm so excited. Jupyter Notebooks are in-browser notebooks that let you evaluate Python on the server. On what? On your local server? Well, just wherever. So it's spelled Jupyter with a Y, J-U-P-Y-T-E-R. Wait, what do you mean a notebook? So it's something in your browser? Yep, it's in your browser. So it's like you run a little Python in a little text box. And then that state is there, and you can like have it make charts, load in some data, write some words as well. So you can show your work and write your Python as you go along. Oh, it's like a it's like a terminal in your browser. A little bit, yeah, but very visual. It does all the browsery stuff. Another example that is probably more truly in your browser without mm. a lot of backend talk is ObservableHQ.com, which is also really good. That's so. Do you know D three? Yes. The people who did D3 made a environment where you can kind of do D3 right in the browser. You type your JavaScript. Oh, cool. Your notes and your thoughts. And there's some great ob observable HQ notebooks that are showing up. Oh, cool. And so by notebooks, you mean like notebooks that compile in your browser to any type of language that you're thinking, or like different types of language that you're thinking? No, of? more like I'm writing my words and my thoughts, but then mm -hmm. I have some code that goes with it. Oh, wow. So I write it right there in my little in-browser notebook, and then it executes. And now I have some state that I can play with. And so I might do some charts or draw some circles. How cool is that? Right. So I have a friend named Toph, and Toph wrote an observable notebook explaining different aspects of the SVG path command, but also mm. illuminating them, like doing things with them to, as he was figuring out how it actually worked. Yeah. So it's a good way to show your work and figure out what you're doing. Notebooks are cool. That's very cool. It seems convenient if you have an iPad. 
Yeah, you know, that's where it should be working, except it's hard because it's like really the browser still with a mouse is where all the action is. Yeah. Hard to get away from that mouse. Bummer. Yeah, that's life. Sir, you know what's challenging? What? I kind of set you up on that question. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could tell you. <laughs> it's, I know, there's a long list. Um, coding up until the last maybe you know, handful of years was a pretty solitary pursuit. Fair. I mean, yeah. you learned solo, right? You were kind yeah. of on your own. I mm -hmm. did too. I felt like I was just, it was pre-web. I felt like yeah. I was just like reading and Books. figuring. Yeah. Books. <laughs> Books. Oh my God. <laughs> and, um, and then a community like Stack Overflow shows up. Yeah. And that, that's nice. And I, I don't know why I'm mentioning them, but, you know, yeah. it's just <laughs> part of the of conversation. <laughs> and then more communities and more communities have arisen. And I, it's interesting to see how social programming is in 2019. Yeah, that's been really interesting to see. And I think that, like, you know, Stack is really about finding the answer and then there's some new things happening that are more about building the community. And yes. one of those is Dev2, and, and we're going to talk to Jess Lee, who's a co-founder. So I don't know, should we, should we bring her into the studio? That sounds amazing. Jess Lee, welcome. Hi. So you're the co-founder of? Dev2. Dev2. You don't pronounce the period? I don't pronounce the period. Does anyone pronounce the period? Sometimes I pronounce the period when I'm trying to share the URL. So it's like dev.to. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think we should have reintroduced a click into the language for this? Like it should be like dev two. <laughs> I feel like we could have that. that that's such a great brilliant. idea. <laughs> yes, that's, thank you. <laughs> I went over to Slack's office at one point and every time I talked to somebody, I would go. And they just, they're like, that's cool to hear that joke again. <laughs> In your words, Tell two coders from ye, ye yonder days what Dev2 is. <laughs> so Dev2 is a social network for developers, but because it's centered around developers, it's also focused on just learning and sharing knowledge and supporting one another. But, you know, it's a social network because people can follow one another and people can write their own content. So it has all the social mechanisms, but it's really meant to be a productive space unlike some other social networks. Yeah, so I've been a big fan of Dev2 and from the outside. And one thing I really love is your branding and the voice that you have. Who is that something? How did you all work on that together? It's very bright. There's lots of great colors. It's really, it feels very accessible to look at. Well, I mean, um, what do we see when we go there? We should describe to the people. Like I, when yeah. I go there, I see people writing and responding to each other. A lot of prompts, a lot of like, what are you working on? And a lot of sort of topic driven stuff. Like here's what I'm doing with React. And mm -hmm. So a, a sense of like, hey, welcome to this giant world. And uh, here's a few paths in and some nice, the sense I get is like there's a real emphasis on nice people helping each other. So Ben is the original founder of Dev and he is sort of this voice that I think you're referring to or he, he kind of leads us in that way. But yeah, we, we both really just felt like there wasn't a good place to have conversations that felt welcoming and accessible to all people. And that's sort of why we created the entire platform. I like that, Sarah, that you mentioned it's very bright um, because one of the many reasons that people log in and actually create an account on dev is so they can toggle night mode <laughs> oh, that's and so interesting. not be in the brightness. <laughs> so how, when did you build this platform? Started in 2015, late 2015. Okay. 
So yeah. we're three to four years. Now. Yeah. And Ben was the person who actually started the website. You know, our backstory is sort of we found a community first on Twitter and then built out the platform. And I joined him early 2016. Give us a rough sense, like, how big is this community? Where are they? What can you tell us about them? Yeah. One of our, like, core beliefs is that in order to be accessible, people have to actually be able to access the the site. So Ben really optimized for just performance on day one. Mm-hmm. And so we do have a really global global community. Like, you know, some of the top community members are from, like, Nigeria, which is, like, not where you think of as, like, the main hub. You think of, like, SF in New York. So, yeah, definitely a very global community. Um, if you look... On the Google Analytics mobile app, it'll say that last month we reached 4 million uniques. But if you look on a desktop version, it'll say (laughs) (laughs) 3.59. But in terms of registered users, you know, we have just under 200,000 right now. It's a big community. It's a big community. And it's a global community. Yeah. That's exciting. So tell us what you do all day. That sounded a little accusatory. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) What do you... (laughs) I know, no, like my wall just came up. <laughs> tell us about your exciting days. You know, it's funny because one of the reasons I was excited about working on this was because I was like, oh, I can like scratch my own itch and like learn how to code more through this through the community. But in reality land, as an entrepreneur, I'm sure you both know, you're just like doing sort of everything and just trying to keep it together. Like we, you know, we have a team of 10 to 15, depending on if you count, you know, contract work. And yeah, I do a lot of just internal operations and, mm-hmm. you know, sort of rethinking our processes constantly. Yeah, it's it's different every day. But I actually, if you actually break down, I probably spend a lot of time thinking through support and working with mm. our community manager on support. And then when I have a chance and I find like an easy ticket, I will grab it and commit to the code base. Right. Nice. How do you keep your community so friendly besides the bright colors? Besides the bright colors, um, I think it's a lot about just how we're pretty transparent. We're very active on the platform as the founders. And so people know that we're there and that we care. And we have the code of conduct, of course. But we actually jump in if if people are in that gray area of being, like, abusive in any way. And, you know, we prioritize the needs and feelings of people who are underrepresented and that's like in our code of conduct and Mm -hmm. so even like I don't know we just we really just try and say like this is a constructive place and we have like our mascot jump in automatically and our tag moderators really understand what we're trying to achieve here which programming language has the best community yay (laughs) 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 dun 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 I could have. I almost went for worst. I'm not. No. I'm not going to answer that. But I will say that you know we're uh, a real shop and we love Ruby and we think that part of it is because they have a pretty great community. Fascinating. Yeah. One of my topics. One of my joke topics was going to be why do Rails developers smell like patchouli? But now. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. It's because they. Because they, <laughs> they're so friendly and nice. Yeah. <laughs> And because Fish was playing this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. What do you think the friendliest community is, Sarah? But That's such a good question. Really, you know, I think that you kind of like, I am a JavaScript developer, and I really have found the JavaScript community in general to be pretty friendly and welcoming. However, I I would say the Ruby and the Rails community is also very 
like, mm, it really depends. Ruby and Rails in like 2008 or so was not the friendliest place. But then like in the, uh, in like the teens, it got friendlier. Probably the same for JavaScript. That's actually. really interesting. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I just don't have that like historical context. Yeah. Um, you know, like I only started coding three years ago. And so for me, it's like, okay, like this is what I'm experiencing right now. And I have no idea like what happened in the past. That's um, probably good. <laughs> well, this is, this is actually a huge signal to send out, right? Which is that, yeah, Ruby had a lot of drama and yeah. Rails did. There were, uh, I remember there was just a lot of conference drama, people comparing mm. It was like how to code like a porn star. And I remember that. that. God, don't do that. No, no, no. But like it, <laughs> yeah, cropped, yeah. it cropped up. right? And it, those are fresh memories for you and me because yeah. we're, we've been in the industry for longer than the decade. Yeah. So it's clear if you want to create a more open and inviting community, like Jess is, is living proof. None of that drama hit you. You're like, cool, a good tool with friendly people. Right. So you can change. <laughs> this is actual hard evidence that because we sit here and we're yeah. like, well, I despair of technology. <laughs> yeah. We will never get. But no, you can actually alter your community and the people who come to it new are like, oh, good, friendly folk to help me. That's yeah. a hell of a signal. That is a hell of a signal. That's so great. Yeah. Yeah. Python's always been the friendliest. I just want everyone to know that. Um, there we go. It's just, just important for everyone to be aware. But um. wait, so I was surprised you said JavaScript because when I think about JavaScript, I just think about people fighting over stuff. I mean, yeah. you know, just like in like just internally, but like what to like what to use and like what frameworks and then TypeScript and yeah, you know, uh, but. Yeah, that's cool yeah. That, that you think JavaScript is the friendliest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I think that the reason why, I think that the New York JavaScript community is a different place than like the larger JavaScript community, mm -hmm. I would say. The, the meetups are very, like Jen Schiffer and people yeah. like that have really, they made an effort to make that part of the stack really accessible and open and to, to lots of people. And the events yeah. are fun and... Yeah, Maybe I think that's, that's right. very real. New York JavaScript is different than like Bay JavaScript. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> JavaScript's yeah. big. I think that's the other thing. It's just so vast now. Yeah. I mean, it includes all the giant platform companies and what they want. Yeah. And so, so it's the whole world. It is. You have big sponsors. You have play, like DigitalOcean, but you don't look corporate. Mm. Is that by like, what? what is the strategy? It's a love-hate. Like we have people who have told us like, Love Def2, hate everything about your, like, UI and, like, how it looks. So it's not for everyone. Aren't opinions. Yeah. Like, they're there's... Just, what a gift yeah. to receive so much helpful feedback from so many people. Yep. Actually, somebody... We had somebody write a post and they redesigned the entire uh, home homepage for us. And they're like, this is what I want to see. And we're like, interesting. Like, thank you for this, like, really helpful feedback. Like, we'll think about it. So that was cool, though. Like, it was cool that somebody actually took the time to, like, think through it and let us know how they felt. And it yeah. actually is helpful feedback. But it's funny how people can be very opinionated. You, you've yeah. arrived. If people are redesigning your platform <laughs> out of frustration on, like, blog posts, that means you're, you've succeeded. Let's take a step back. And I'd like to talk about when we were spying on you prior to you coming okay. in. But I, yeah. I looked I was at, spying on both of you. Too. Okay, great. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's, it's fine. We're all transparent. It's 2019 and we all work on, on the internet. What choice do we have? Yeah. I know a job popped up from your past that I would like to talk about. Mm -hmm. And that is you were in a leadership capacity at Kids Bop. The number one music brand for kids. 
Do, do you know Kids Pop Sarah? <laughs> I mean, I know the commercials mm-hmm. where it's just like a bunch of kids looking like they're having a blast okay. singing bastardized versions of songs. Wait. I mean, by bastardized, I mean no, no, no. family friendly. Um, in the best improved, way. Improved. Improved. Mm-hmm. Um, this is my life. My daughter, I have seven-year-old twins. My daughter bursts through the door and screams, I want to listen to Kids Pop 35 on Spotify right now. <laughs> And I'm like, who are you? You're a monster. And until <laughs> I give her Kids Bop 35, and actually they have their own Chromebooks, they go listen to Kids Bop. Children wow. love Kids Bop. But wait, let's let's draw that line for the listeners between I'm doing a lot of marketing work and, and shepherding children to weird events in Texas <laughs> to I am programming in Rails and running one of the larger and up-and-coming progressive developer communities. So there's probably one or two steps. Yeah, there were there were a couple steps. So I left Kids Pop because I just it didn't feel like, feel like the right place for me, probably because I didn't listen to pop music. And I actually started doing some temp work after that, and they placed me at a startup. Mm. And that was really my first interaction with tech and mm-hmm. with startups. Like, I never, like, this world was totally invisible to me in a lot of ways. Like, I was just purely a consumer. And when I got to the the startup, I just saw, like, how the developers were really the ones treated as first-class citizens there. Mm. They're the stars. That's yeah, right. they really mm-hmm. were. Um, I mean, granted, I don't feel like that startup had the best culture, so I mean, like, I probably shouldn't <laughs> have really felt like that. Um, but you were in it. This was new. Yeah. yeah. And and I became friends with some of the developers, and then I, like, dug into my memory box of just, like, being a kid and, like, on, like, LiveJournal or Zynga and tweaking, like, the CSS and HTML. I'm like, oh, is that what coding is? And then I suddenly remembered that, like, when I was 16, I did an NYU program. I took their intro to computer science class, and I dropped out of it. And, like, I think that was the moment where I just never thought about, like, coding or computer science or technology again because Mm. I just felt like it wasn't for me. And Mm. this was, like, before people brought laptops to school. So we're, like, writing down, like, ones and zeros and, like, learning binary. And I was like, I just don't understand how this is just, applicable. Just didn't yeah. feel relevant to your 16-year-old life? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so I never thought about, like, tech or coding ever again until hanging out with some developers. And then and then it just sort of went from, like, the the startup was great. They, they offered us, like, full subscriptions to... Um, like Code Academy and Code School. Mm. And I just started doing that during the work hours and had a lot of fun through it and realized that there were boot camps that you could enroll in. And I just was like, I want to be one of these people who are more respected and doing like creative, fun things. And, you know, you immediately, once you start having that conversation, you sort of see the power there. Mm-hmm. And I was attracted to that. So I enrolled myself in a boot camp. Okay, so you said... I want that. Mm, that's good confidence. I know. Did you have that confidence, Sarah? To like know what I wanted to do? Mm-hmm. I did. Like when I, tr- yeah. I, I still don't have that confidence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm very impressed with both of you. Yeah. Well, I mean, to get to dev, it also took a lot of luck and good timing. Mm-hmm. Like, so between the boot camp and dev, it was like me playing a show with my friend who went to, Buddhist camp with Ben. Wow. And then me being like, yeah, like I'm you just got out of this boot camp. Like Wait, playing a show. That's... I was playing bass synth for this like electronic band. Yeah. Um, so I was playing the show, but I was also like very lost because I had just churned out of the boot camp. And that feeling is terrible if we ever yeah. want to unpack that. Yeah. No, I've actually... been talking a <laughs> no, lot be... about that recently. Okay. Yeah. 
No, because, I mean, recently I went and, like, bought a shirt, and the person who was selling me the shirt, it came up, she was like, well, I don't know how she asked what I do, and I told her, and, and I was like, she's like, oh, I just got out of boot camp, and she described all the things she's doing, and I'm like, well, you're working here, what's going on, and, and she's like, I just don't even know where to start, and I gave her my name, I'm like, get yeah. in touch, we'll figure it out, never heard a word, and I, you know, I just felt that, like, she had been sold something, done the work, figured it out, and then she was out in the world without a real plan. Well, I think it's also kind of telling that she didn't reach out to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe so. Maybe there's something there, too, mm-hmm. in terms of how they're going about finding work and making the right connections. But for me, coming out of the boot camp, you go from being around people who are at your level every day and you're collaborating on all these these projects to just being alone. And they And, like, most boot camps have career services, but... The, you know, the career services are like, how do you make your resume well? And like, here's this, you know, like, here's like a guide to answering like common questions. Mm. But there's a lot missing in between. And like a lot that you don't even learn at a boot camp. So even if you get that job, it's, I think it's still really daunting. You're like, I've never like looked at a legacy code base before. And mm. I, I don't even know how to approach this because at boot camps, everything is brand yeah. new. Like you're starting that new app. And if I had any advice for boot camps, it, it would be to like, you know, actually dive into some open source projects maybe i don't know if that's part of any curriculums mm. um and see what it's like to learn from something that's existing something that has mistakes like something no uh, that's good so like no, look, yeah, yeah. look 10 years back like look at something that was messy and yeah it's like, yeah okay yeah so it's just like emotionally it was like very challenging to be alone and you you lose that like guidance and you have to go back into self-teaching mode and there's still a lot of paths they don't necessarily tell you which path to go on they like dip your toes in a lot of things right Mm -hmm. when I was there I was doing rails but then we started learning angular and some node but there was just still a lot there's a just I mean it's like hard to cover so much information oh yeah 12 weeks yeah but basically it's very lonely and so uh I was like just looking for a mentor and that's ultimately how I found Ben we found a dev too and that's sort of where my coding stopped you know, like I still contribute some, but there's just like too much other work to be doing. Like a lot of times, like it doesn't make sense to put me on the issue because it'll take me a million times mm. longer. And also because I have other responsibilities. I mean, because I mean, we do have lots. We actually a good portion of the company was junior developers for a while. And so it's not about like having to be pick the person to get the job done the fastest. But the fact that I have other roles made it hard to for me to just be like, I should do it. So in terms of imposter syndrome, I have so much of it because I am, you know, one of the co-founders of a developer community. And I feel like I oftentimes don't know, even know how to begin or how to contribute to some of the conversations that are happening. I just, you know, I just know that like, I'm just trying to create a place where people can have these conversations and I can always jump in, but like, I just feel like I'm like, I don't really know. (laughs) I understand. I, I have been able to pull off like one good hack in four years uh-huh. where I showed someone how to pipe things to SQLite. And I was like, you can solve this problem in about 30 seconds in the command line. And people were like, huh. But other than that, it's side projects because I, I just get in the way. I'm a bottleneck if I right. try to help. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a it's a good feeling and a bad. It's, I'm accepting it. it. It's kind of a bad feeling. Like I, I wish yeah, I could just be more helpful. You know, sometimes people come up to me and they're like, you know, why did you choose Preact over React? And... And I'm kind of like, <laughs> like uh, you know, or like why why are you ra- like why are you built on Rails? And I mean that that's easier to answer because it was just the technology we're more more familiar with. Mm-hmm. But 
for like the preact react stuff, I'm like, oh, like, you know, Ben made that decision. You should ask him. He's more technical. Uh, but like, oh. I want to be able to really answer that without being like fed the answer. Yeah, but see, now you're management. So you turn around and you go, well, why do you think I would make a decision? Like that? <laughs> Ooh, good trick. Yeah, yeah. You're just like, I mean, you, or you can be like, well, you know the trade-offs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. I think it's really interesting. And I hope as like the default programmer evolves that we like can maybe stop like drawing a, a line. Like one thing that I think that Dev2 does really well is it seems like it's a friendly place for like all levels of coder. And I think that um, if anything, like your experience seems to speak for the type of people that are welcome on dev, which is like, I might not be a close to the rails, computer science, you know, like working on Lisp every day coder. I might be doing like Rails sometimes, or I might be doing JavaScript sometimes, or, and also for the person that is like close to the rails doing Lisp every day. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. What, what's next? The first thing that popped into my head just now is that we're about to celebrate our one year anniversary of open source. And right now we have, we're just, we're just Wait, under. Meaning that the whole platform's open source or? Yes, oh, that's, that's right. nice. So if yeah. you want to have your own dev too. Right, well, we're not totally set up for that yet. Okay. That is coming soon. <laughs> but uh, in seriousness, you know, contributions are super welcome and feedback to both the platform and to our code base would be wonderful. Your hearts are open. You were talking right before we started about a book. Yes. So we launched a book called Your Your First Year in Code, and it was completely community-driven mm. by, by one of our members. His name is Isaac Lyman. And basically in March, he wrote a dev post where he said that he was writing a book, but he wanted it to be collaborative, and he did a call to action for co-authors. Mm. And so there are 15 other co-authors on this book. And the purpose is to really help people through their first year coding. It's like it covers the interview process, but it also covers like, what do you do on day one? Mm. And it's not your typical like learning how to code book, but it's really about the in-between nuances. So a lot of career help, a lot of good stories, a lot of practical advice. Um, and you know, 15 they, people sharing what they know. Yes, exactly. Right, nice. And okay. it's a mix of juniors and seniors also sharing. They talk about burnout, which is mm. really important to, to recognize. So lots of good stories there, very practical. And it just, it was really beautiful to see it all come together. Ben. Sarah, talk to me. Do you know where I could find that Google Doc? You know, the one with all the images? Yeah, yeah. I slacked it to you like two weeks ago. Oh, uh, yeah. I searched Slack. I can't find, you know, like it has the images and uh, some of those numbers. Uh, it was on the email chain. Were you on the email chain? Let me, uh, no. Oh, I wish there was just like some great way for us to collaborate, some, some sort of like knowledge management solution to everything. You know, the questions and the answers we had were stored and you could just search for them. You know what this seems like a job for? What? Stack Overflow for Teams. Ooh, Stack Overflow for Teams. Now available, 25 seats free. And this product, which is just like the Stack Overflow you know and love, except private for your internal company information that you can't share, is used by companies like Microsoft. They have 70,000 seats. I've heard of those guys. And little startups like Primer AI and Oslo VR, they have 20, 30 seats. That's great. 
So I can ask a question there. Maybe where do I find the Google Doc with the images? Exactly. Somebody will answer that in Slack and then they'll be like, hey, throw this in the uh, SOT, as we like to call it. The SOT. And then uh, another person could jump in and say, actually, you know, if you really want to find those images, there's a better way to do it here. Maybe they get a few upvotes. Maybe that's the top answer. But Stack Overflow for Teams, it's great. You can uh, share answers. You can gain knowledge. So if you want to check it out, uh, head on over to stackoverflow.blog slash podcast. You can find a link there to the Teams, and, and that includes the promotion, first 25 seats free. Sarah, do you have a tag for us? Yeah, I've been thinking a lot lately about some beautiful charts. Mm, I like charts. I love charts. Big chart fan over here. What do you know about D3? You know, D3 is not something I've spent as much time as I like with. I have definitely messed with it. Yeah, same. I feel like that's what I hear from everyone except amazing designers and infographic makers. It is a deep world in there. It is, and it's such beautiful. D three is a way. If you ever go, do you ever go to that D three website and just look at all the sample charts? Oh man, it's so good, Ben. This is something for you to do as someone who's learning about programming. Yeah, just go there and think. One day, I'll make really beautiful visualizations of all the data that I have. That's and, great. And then you don't do anything. Well, yeah, but episode, never actually try it. Next don't episode actually try of, it. Uh, world's worst coder will include a chart proving that I'm the world's worst coder. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So let's look at the let's look at a tag. Let's see what the world is like. Yeah, in let's the world kick around D3. here in the D3 tag. Oh man. 34,348 questions. That's pretty popular. D3.js. Let's look at the the top three to see what we can figure out about this world. Okay. Yeah. This makes sense. What's the best way to make a D3.js visualization layout responsive? All right. So that's a good one. D3 is of the web, but it's kind of its own thing. Yeah. Mobile charts. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So that's. I like looking at charts on the go. It's got 11 answers. It's bright green. Things are looking good. It's got 107K views. Yeah. Wow. Paul, you're a CEO. I bet you look at a lot of charts on the go. I do. I look at an enormous number of charts on the go just yeah, to understand. half of your job as a CEO charts on the go actually it's all just spreadsheets like charts <laughs> you don't get the charts you have to ask you're for, messing up you have to ask you, for the charts. <laughs> you need to get more so charts. this is an example of a really good stack overflow question for a couple of reasons one it was asked seven years ago wow. it was answered and then somebody came in like three years after that and updated the top answer. I think those are what my favorite. What a hero! I know. Where you see the you see the thing grow up. It's yeah, really cool. What yeah, a that's true pretty hero. cool. It's also just this gives you a very clear signal that D three is one of the places where it's at in terms yeah. of one hundred and seven k views means. All right, people are into this thing. Yeah. Also, like good technology sticks around. True. That's right. That's yeah. Right. You know, it has that ripple effect. I love that. It'd be like, okay, it got 200 votes, but 107,000 people like learned something great from this. Yeah. And you see, a teacher. I just like looking at the the most voted questions because you can just sort of see the whole world, like a lot of stuff about SVG, mm. a lot of stuff about GeoJSON and, and geography and putting things on maps. Oh, maps. You know, getting the width and height for an arbitrary element, which is one of the great puzzles of everything. It is the biggest <laughs> challenge in computer science. Figuring out... With where something nice. is on a screen. Yeah. 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 And then in classic Stack Overflow fashion, what's a good book for learning D3JS? Closed. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. <laughs> books. We no. don't talk about books. No books. That was closed as off topic in 2013. <laughs> and yet it's one of the most upvoted uh, questions. Yeah. So anyway, I you know, D3 is hell of a thing. I'll give you two a pop quiz here. Answer this off the top. What is the difference between D3 and jQuery? Just off the top of your head. Oh, man. It's like the difference between oranges and Subarus. <laughs> yeah. So jQuery, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try and then you try, right? Okay. jQuery was, an, was a 
library that made it much easier to deal with the DOM yeah. than traditional JavaScript did. Hey, hey, Paul, what's the DOM? The document object model. So oh, when okay. You, when you load a document into your web browser, the computer sees it as not just like a lot of words and letters, but yeah. actually as a hierarchical structure. That makes sense. And there's tags inside. Tags might have IDs or class names or so on. So in order to get all the class, everything that that's like important, let's say it has a class that was important. Yeah. In order to find all the important elements and make them, you know, into rainbow colors, which might yeah, be really Yeah, which critical. is also more important. Exactly. This is this is important for you to do. Your boss told you to do that. Important. That was some ugly code back in the day. It was like, yeah. get element by class name. By ID. And it was like the the capital, that used to always drive me nuts. Like, oh, which yeah. of the letters is capital? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then jQuery, you're like, dollar sign, parentheses. Get that thing. Well, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, so good. So that was what the person was asking in the question here. It seems that D3 and jQuery libraries are very similar in the sense that they both do DOM manipulation in an object-chaining way. Curious to know what functions D3 makes easier than jQuery and vice versa. So you want to now guess at the answer? D3 is all about SVG and, yeah. and sort of... Yeah, I was explaining jQuery. We have a stack codes group where I meet with some folks on the sales team, marketing team, a bunch of folks that are learning how to code. Ben's the worst coder in the world, so he doesn't come weekly. Ooh. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Sucks to be on a podcast with your teacher <laughs> when you skip class that is, that is many rough. weeks in a row. So uh, I was explaining them jQuery the other day, and I just said JavaScript used to be really, really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And then two things were invented, jQuery and the in-browser debugging experience. Yeah, boy, that is true. At about the same time. The console is what we most people call it. Or yeah, the, uh, yeah. Inspecting that element. Yeah, such a big deal. Mm. Made Better it know what tag doable. is teaching us so much this time. I'm going to give you the, the, the top bullet point for the answer that was accepted. D3 is data-driven, but jQuery is not. With jQuery, you directly manipulate elements, but with D3, you provide data and callbacks. Is that a valid, like, top-line explanation of, a, of the difference? It's like, any, it's like anything in that it's right, uh -huh. but it's not necessarily helpful. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? yeah. Like, I mean, what's what you really want to know is that D3 has thought through graphics really yeah, well. Yeah, and, and jQuery has not. Yeah, jQuery's thought okay. through the moving DOM. stuff around. I like that. You're going to use one for that. And there are all sorts of actual true computer reasons why all that's true, but, yeah. like, that's what, if you and I, like, why, if if you suddenly, if Sarah, if you came to me and you're like, I'm going to do all this great graphics programming in, in jQuery, I'd be like, that's mm, weird. Yeah. yeah, that's strange. Okay, that's okay. Really, why are you doing you that? Yeah, second bullet point. D3 is usually for data visualization and jQuery is usually for creating web apps. So you that's see, a better, like. It's a yeah. little bit better. Yeah. yeah. Except if you say jQuery is for, for creating web apps in People 2019. People are going to get Because <laughs> that's what React is for. Right. Yeah, yeah, true. Well, yeah, fair. Yeah. This answer is so here, look, this many, is, many years ago. I'm showing Sarah an observable HQ notebook. This one was created by Mike Bostock, who created D3. Wow. And so it's like, here, they're like doing all the stuff right there in the screen. And These are things that make me feel like a bad programmer. When I look at this <laughs> stuff and I'm like, look at this amazing art that you're making with code. That's right. And all I'm doing is updating an element. Oh, and you know, it's always nice when you see like someone has created a beautiful work of art with the CSS in their spare time. Uh, no, it's not. That makes me angry. It really is upsetting. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah. D3 is cool in that it really, it meets you right where you are in that web browser. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing like that. And this is very active. I've got questions here from 10 hours ago, six hours ago, three hours ago, one hour ago. So people are on there asking d3.js questions daily. Today. Oh, that was yeah. a good tag. Yeah, it was a great tag. Better great know a tag. tag. The more you know. 
Hey, Sarah. Hey, Ben. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks for asking. Unfortunately, though, I went to check the lifeboat badge this week so we could shout out the community Mm. and no new lifeboats. Oh, no. Folks, if you're listening, please, there are questions out there. They are drowning. They are in they need, need your a help. rescue. Yeah, these questions need your help. So, Let's tell our users what a lifeboat badge is for. A lifeboat badge is you go and find a question that has a score of negative three. Mm-hmm. This question is not going to make Bad. it. Bad. R.I.P. You need to, you know, lather on the sunscreen, get your flotation device, mm. get out there, save this question, answer this question, and end up getting 20 rep or more. Good 20 for rep. You. Yeah. So since we don't have any lifeboats this week, I'm going to read a few new badges. This is Socratic. Ask a well-received question on 100 separate days and maintain a positive question record. What a question asker. Yes. So to Neil Middleton, congratulations. To Potato, congratulations. Potato. To Mark Kay and to Nathan, thank you for asking great questions on 100 different days. 100. That's quite a badge, actually. I'm proud of all. Proud of all those folks. Yeah. So uh, that's our shout out to the community. Please do some more lifeboats. Please do some more badges. And if you think maybe we should be doing other badges, let us know. There's some fun ones. We could get the necromancer in there. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) 